0: Josh, love you, man. Yeah, oh, hi, Josh. Oh, hey, hi. dude.
1: We're back to a three-way. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> well, I just did
2: the traditional. I did the traditional three-way duck out spot. Let the two guys work in the ring. That's what I was doing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You did the FTR. You it's literally-
2: raining outside. My my Uber eats is sitting on the porch. Pete, I got I got a I got a guy. Like, there's no.
0: I don't want fucking so soggy subway. Oh, you got Subway. That is so you. You, out of all people, you get Uber Eats and you order Subway. Yeah, I'm just trying to get something. I know you like Subway, but there are so many more foods out there, Josh.
2: Yeah, but not too many that I that are clean that I can like.
0: It's, it's not clean. <laughs> this is a clean food. Isn't, Subway is not a clean food.
1: What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> don't you know who jared is <laughs> yeah.
2: it's a salad sandwich <laughs> what, are we, what are we adding here we're gonna go like get rid of the bread yes yeah it's a carb but red it's like i'm we're we gonna we're gonna go anti-carbs at this point are we ready the we're I am. You we're
0: first.
2: yes very good red i'll i'll make sure i as opposed to what, what was I supposed
0: no, to get? I was saying if you can get Uber Eats, you get like nachos or pizza or like And get very low carb meals, incredibly I'm low carb. If you get Uber Eats, I can't get Uber Eats. I'm just saying, if you get Uber Eats, you don't get Subway. You get something interesting. Yeah, but I
2: can get it any night I want. That's the I know, but I just,
0: I'm just saying, it's. Annoying. I live in
2: Byron Bay, the place you shit canned last week, I and I can get whatever I want, whatever yeah. I want. I've got, okay. I've got an I'm Indian saying. joint, a yeah, pizza
0: joint. There is so many more foods you could. Have. Anyway. Welcome to WeWorks. <laughs> <Yes.
1: laughs> Having an argument we've read about food is always fun.
2: Yeah. It's a, yeah. as big a snob as there comes the thing. It's like, look, I just want something quick that I know that I know the caloric intake of, which I can't get from anywhere else. I have a
0: baseline of it. I know what it is. Do, did you do you know how annoying it is for me who people who have Uber Eats and they get things like Subway? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Oh, uh, red. How funny.
2: Um, I'm going to send you a picture of when I get something incredibly elaborate from Uber Eats and just okay. slowly eat it, <laughs> like you. gozlami or something. No, Ooh. because that would lead to me throwing a up violent, violently, violent diarrhea. <laughs> Absolute, <laughs> like, and you wonder, you wonder. The last recommendation you gave me, I literally, I it was, was done sick for like two days. <laughs> I was done.
0: Yeah, I, it nearly killed I, me. We gave you a tour of Foxtel. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. you had to go go, in, to go home early from. You <laughs> couldn't even come in. Yeah.
2: I literally I, shit my pants in I, the house that Rupert built. I'm a Japanese! 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 I'm
0: a Japanese! I'm a Japanese! i a Japan. Welcome ladies and gentlemen, we are We Work Stiff and this particular episode we are covering what is called the Forbidden Door pay-per-view held by AEW and New Japan and New Japan. Don't forget that, <laughs> everyone else did in the build. My name is Red Williams and I am joined by the chocolate miss himself, Josh Croydon yes, and me. Dr. Dave Pruden, the tokamopim himself. Hello everybody. And we're covering the Forbidden Door show. Is there any way that people can get in contact with us, Josh?
2: Well, yes, sir Yes, there is. Red, as as fate would have it. It's a tremendous question you ask. We are on Twitter at WeWorkStiff at WeWorkStiff on Twitter. Tremendous level of engagement this this weekend, and specifically for Forbidden Show, uh, Forbidden Door Show, we got uh, ninety more followers during the show. Oh. So, yeah it was quite good we're very very happy to be over um a thousand followers like a week ago or whatever and then we got dmca'd strike by new japan and tv asahi so i felt like we'd made it and now we've we've up to 1100 in that week so tremendous growth and also uh if you're on the twitter and you're talking to us that we work stiff then we also have the discord links which we uh offer people to come and, and chat and join uh we had people in the discord which was very nice and today we've had interactions in the discord without any of us being involved which i think was a great oh, big wow step. really yes it happened today so i was very happy people meeting about their fandom of new japan in the discord at the we work stiff discord so that was great i sent a, a jay white thumbs up to um the crew there who were talking about this pay-per-view and how much they enjoyed it uh particularly uh uh, she's the Winona in just the discord who was in the front row at the show uh, sitting oh, really? next to Yano. Uh, hey, yeah, Yano was in the front row watching the entire show. Yeah.
1: I saw some of that.
2: So it's great for people on Twitter, the followers, the listeners that were at the, at the show and reporting back to us. Um, and especially those in the discord. So yeah, socials is growing. I'm very excited about seeing that, that uh, community grow.
0: I was actually really let down that Yano didn't actually do anything. Like,
2: Gotta save those for the big. Gotta save those for the big shows, bud.
0: I know, I know, but I, I, I literally like watching the show. The show was great, but I did have this thing in the back of my head: like, when's Yano gonna pop up? When's the Yano
1: gonna happen? No, Wrestle Kingdom main event. That's where it's gonna happen. Yeah, when's when's the Yano run in?
2: <laughs> I I uh, ironically thought the Yano run in was going to be to save Orange Cassidy. I got a little bit more than I expected there, so that was a benefit. I was like, yeah, Yano will come hit Yano's music. We got a little bit better uh, than Yano. Uh, and I'm sure Yana would admit that. I cried. Oh, it was emotional. Mm, it was
0: emotional. And actually, it's funny too, because uh, we were chatting to Miss Doom during the actual moment that happened. And it's funny because my first thought was, oh, I, I'm so keen to tell everyone about my Shibata story, about why Shibata is not only one of my favorite wrestlers, but Josh and I get to share a moment where basically during shibata okada where shibata got the hematoma uh i was saying this is the best match ever you gotta you gotta add the
2: context to this red so i had watched this match yeah and this is at the early stages of when i'm trying to convince both you and dave to follow new japan right so i'm, I'm working my magic here i'm pushing it i'm saying like you got to see this and i'm like this this match is epic and it's still i still rate shibata okada as like my like, I just think it's the best. And so I'm like, I've watched it. I'm like, that was one of the most emotionally engaging things. And little, little, of, little of me I was thinking the, the outcome of that even adds to dramatic stakes, you know, it becomes this mythical story, mythical match. So I'm like, Oh, I'll bring it to red to watch. And I bring it to red and he's just watching it. And he's just like, he's engrossed. He's loving it. It's it's, it literally is building the reasons why he's into wrestling. The reason why he's in new Japan wrestling is that <laughs> match. That match is connecting him he's in on it. yeah and he just looks at me and says my god this is my guy i cannot wait to see what he does in the future (laughs) (laughs) and i am it's about seven minutes before the end of the match and i am at this point realizing oh no what what have i done
1: what have i done (laughs) how am i going to break this news what am i between the three of us we have an uncanny ability to pick guys where something fucking happens (laughs) And then they're no longer to be seen again. Yes, you picked cancelled
2: people. Yeah, Red picks injured guys, and I picked Sonata. It just it just leads to constant. fits. just you just get let down. But yeah, and it was just I and the the look on Red's face. It was like the Ralph Wiggum. You can see where he's heart the moment took, where he's heart It
0: took me a solid hour. Oh, Do you remember, it took me happy. a solid hour. To actually, like once you told me what had happened, it took me a solid sort of hour to actually like come to terms with process a guy yeah. next to Naito, and he's never going to wrestle again.
2: <laughs> yeah, not only that, at that by that stage we were like we were con- we were concerned that the man might that might be it.
0: That might be like, it. It yeah. started
2: to get the news started to come out and get worse. So yeah. the next week was even worse. I was like, oh no, what have I done?
0: So, so when I heard his music come out of the blue, I man. I, I jumped out of my chair. I was like, the wrestler. Great. The wrestler.
2: The, you know what the- I also thought was great, Red? Everyone in the crowd did too. Mm. Yeah. And that was a really telling sign of like, huh? That's interesting. <clears throat> well, that is yeah, an obscure I mean- song. Like it's not a we're going <laughs> back a bit further than even the the lapsed New Japan fan here. We're going back five years there.
1: But mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like that show. Uh, people, I mean, the tickets sold pretty quickly. Yeah, the hard that showed, cars were there. That shows a big selling point to. I mean, coming in being announced was a big selling point to New Japan fans in the West. Yeah, wanting to see some New Japan guys because you know they hadn't been able to tour or yeah, whatever. So yeah, it was got. Cool. I mean, they were always going to get the reactions live. I think the
2: reactions live were were incredible for New Japan guys to the point of like it was like a New Japan
0: crowd. Yeah. yeah. It was it was honestly the the crowd were one of the biggest parts of the show for me was how they reacted to everything particularly New Japan guys yeah, the pop for Yoshihashi. I know. I know. That was huge.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like iPod- I haven't seen the
0: pre-show yet.
1: But- okay. Well, they pop for Yoshi. Yoshi hard. gets a Yoshi gets a pop, man. Well, to be
2: fair, they set it up. He was the first man out, so they knew what they were doing. <laughs> the first man out of the show, so they were like, they
1: were probably they were testing the waters. Like, if Yoshi gets a fucking pop, we're in, we're
2: in for a show. Yeah, the boys in the back all in a line, just listening out to hear what would happen with Yoshi. walks out. But yeah, no, it was, it was something. <laughs> it was something else.
0: I thought the uh, the buy-in matches for the first time ever. I actually was so invested in the buy-in matches. Like I normally don't really care, but once I knew who was actually in the buy-in matches, I was watching. Uh, yeah.
2: On. Yeah. I think they were, they're all fine. The actual, the Desperado uh, Kenamari oh. versus Swerve and Keith Lee is a must. It's a watch. It's oh, really-
0: it was so much fun. That was such a good interaction. Like that match right there was, oh man, it just set the tone. Like I couldn't come down. <laughs> I honestly could not come down.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think the show, like we sort of got some questions, but ideally, you know, like what does a review show look like when we as a show and as, you know, what we've established already have our podcast aesthetic is basically we sort of run down a lot of stories and interesting elements that are coming in and out of matches. And this was a different kind of show in a lot of respects. And we sort of made that clear last week on our, our half a preview show when we had half a card, uh, And so now we've got the full card and everything. I figured that there's a pretty simple way to to run this, this sort of, you know, to break this show down rather than go match by match and tell everyone how good each match was or whatever was just to sort of have a basic three guiding topics that sort of emerge from the questions that we've got and the feedback that we have, and then just go that way. I think that's the, the format that will make the most sense. And we'll probably end up covering most of the show anyway, in terms of our review and our thoughts. So uh, yeah, so that's basically the, the structure, Red. So I think the first topic is around our first sort of big picture general impression of the show. I know we've sort of talked about it already, Red, but what are your sort of your general impressions of Forbidden Door now that we've we've uh, seen, seen the show and we're on the other side of it?
0: Um, the crowd was great. The crowd was really, really good. I mentioned it before, but the crowd was so good. And it's really positive too, particularly because I thought the build up wasn't really that respectful to a lot of the New Japan guys but to have the crowd react the way they did like that was great like that really really was special for me as a fan of New Japan to hear the crowd chief every single New Japan guy like Connors like Shingo like I know Suzuki was getting a pop and stuff like that but it was just really really cool to watch and I don't think there was a single moment where I wasn't engrossed in it like i said i've watched it three times already
1: yeah i feel like uh this in stark contrast to the last um aew pay-per-view was paced really well um and you know you like the crowd certainly elevated all those elements you talk about red for sure um but they did a really good job of uh, the match structure, like so, the which matches came first and came after, and all that sort of thing. And the crowd was hot for all of it. And then in moments where they tapered off a little bit, that's where the performers really shined. Like in that um, in that four way match for the the All Atlantic title. I felt like in the beginning that was like the crowd seemed to be dying off a little bit. And then next thing, Connors just, just has has a five minute moment of running wild and just won the entire crowd over again. And then the show picked up again. And anytime there seemed to be any real like crowd lull um, and I don't know, maybe it's, Coming from a position of a bit of bias, but I feel like the New Japan guys—that's when they really their their ability really shone through, and that's when the crowd would sort of peak again. When something like a New Japan guy was firing on all cylinders and getting getting a spot, that was my impression. Hmm. Yeah, my uh, yeah, I mean, I'm
2: I'm I agree with both of you. I think that uh, my takeaway was I was very surprised by how i felt that's the best way to put it i was almost shocked by how i felt because the build to this i did not like the matchups on paper i didn't really like the the all of the things that were going around the stuff and all of this was all circling around the type of wrestling i like and the type of storytelling and i like and the it was funny because we had a tweet that had come out like, I don't know, maybe a week or something before this or maybe six, three or four days. And I was talking about like people that were shitting on stuff because the build had been so bad. And people were obviously taking shots and stuff. And people saying things like, oh, if you don't like wrestling or whatever, just, you know, if you don't like this style of wrestling, just stop watching or whatever, which is always, you know, a catch cry. And I was like, yeah, well, I you know, I did uh, for like 12 years. And the... And would, and someone sort of asked me a follow up question to that of like well what got you back? And I was sort of thinking of like I periodically watch TNA like that was a thing I would do and I'd be like checking in and hoping that we'd get the next WCW. Get up, um, Stinger. Get up, Stinger. <laughs> um, and Which is actually another wonderful story
0: that Josh and I have.
2: Yeah, it's all well uh, Red somehow thought. I mean the Ace is an eight storyline. Here we are watching for Sting versus Bully Ray. Bully Ray hits to have a hammer and Red's like get up, son. That's that you can watch. Yeah, that. I was there for that. Yeah, exactly. Get that was and I was trying at that stage to sort of get AJ was sort of a guy. And I was like hopeful that that would be something, but the, again, it just didn't fit. It didn't quite click on all cylinders for me. There was parts of it that with Tina, I was like, oh, it's just not. It's not it. And so I I never really invested until obviously uh, New Japan. And I I was thinking back like, well, why did that happen? And it was obviously off the back of Devitt. And actually, we started to think about. it. I was like, it was off the back of that Devit documentary, that ITV doco. I used to watch like old wrestling documentaries on YouTube. Like i look at Wrestling with Shadows a bunch or be on the mat on YouTube and you get the algorithm, the algorithm would like his other ones. And it was like that, um, yeah, that uh, smash them up or whatever. It's, I don't know if the ITV doco on Devitt. And it was just like a following him as he was in his last run at New Japan. And it was so good. And I was like, it was and he talked about this other place. And then you see these guys and like, this looks really interesting. I was about 24. Fourteen, I think that that was happening and then I was like oh I'll watch this and what I was thinking about at the time was like it suited everything I liked because he was so narrative driven like all his stuff he was talking about like he was a character and he's talking about the the stories that they were having with the bullet club and and what he'd crafted the identity and the character he'd crafted I was like man that's that's kind of interesting and I was thinking about it when I was watching this show because I'm like I'm not there's no proclivity of like I'm not predisposed to like this style of show because this, this this show more than any show that AEW has particularly put on is like the spiritual success to all in after we've watched it. Like once I saw it, I'm like, that was like what all in was in terms of this show that was like a self-contained thing that had all these matches that every match sort of exceeded the next one. And it was just this sort of love letter to pro wrestling. And with some stories that were going in, I mean, the, I think the main main story going into all in was either, you know, Cody going for that NWA belt or, you know, you know adam page and the story of his dick uh with the now cancelled joe ryan (laughs) and so there was these like they they weren't necessarily the the type that would normally grab you but it was more the 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 novelty of it and also what it also what it said like what it proposed is what's possible with pro wrestling like
1: it was like this sort of i mean they were all presented so well on that show too and that everyone was given a a good spot even the talent that wasn't sort of known talent like a young MJF yeah I mean Jordan Grace and um, the machine Brian Cage they had that moment in that battle royal that was awesome and everyone got their opportunities to shine because it was like it was trying to do something and say
2: something about pro wrestling and I feel like that was the same here but they're not necessarily the things that I go yeah that's that's what I love like the matches and all that sort of stuff like oh these are all great matches but why should I care? Like, that's the kind of same thing. I was like, trying to think, well, why should I care? And my takeaway is like, I cared way too much. <laughs> like, I was way too into it. Like, it was scary how much I was enjoying the show to the point I was like halfway through it, which is normal for me. Like, I'm way too critical. So I'm like, why am I liking this? What's happening? What's going on? So I'm really excited to actually, like. There were
1: moments when I was like, when is this shit going to fall off the fucking hill? Like Yeah. yeah. I, I, and it's bad because, you. I mean, you shouldn't go in with, you know, I tried to go in with, like, as little expe- expectation as possible. But my expectation was that at some point I was going to get shitty <laughs> yeah. with what I was watching. And that didn't happen until, like, the very end. of The, the very end. But I understand why they did it. Yeah, I get it, but you know, fuck ninety nine percent of the show was awesome, yeah. and I'm like, well, this is just, yeah,
2: I don't know what you're saying. I turned off just as the Mox and Tana shook hands. It was just, 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 just <laughs> yeah, it off was, it like, was greatest <laughs> yeah. show I've ever seen. But I, yeah, my my overall impression, and I'm looking forward to sort of getting into to sort of explaining and trying to understand why as we talk it around. Was I I love the show, even though I think it didn't have a match on it that I would say is like the, the best match ever or anything like that, but it just had everything about it presented something that I got, got excited about. And I don't really, I'm kind of interested to explore why that is. So my overall impression of is forbidden door was, was great. Um, in spite of everything that has happened yeah. forbidden door was great. And I, I think there's some, there's some key lessons and some key ideas that come out of it that tell us why
1: it was great. I mean, one of those would be that you give great performers an opportunity to perform, and time, and they will they will effectively save any booking fucking bullshit that you that you try and put in front of them, you know, and block them with. But
0: it's funny, you know, it's it's a great point you made before, Dave, because I. I've been very pessimistic with a lot of American pay per views lately, and this one really—I didn't—I wasn't expecting for to be let down because I forgot because I was watching something I really enjoyed. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't—I was kind of expecting in some way to like, oh that that was shit or that was bullshit, but every match went into each other, and all the performers did such a good job that. I was enjoying myself so much that this little old boy over here, his cold heart warmed up again to rest. Uh, he,
1: Red Hope Williams.
0: Red Hope Williams. Hope is back. Hope is back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I,
2: I had that great moment that happens sometimes in, in great shows where I was like, you know, we're getting towards the end and I'm like, oh, it's going to end. Like it's, it's yeah, like, yeah. that was the point. Like, ah, yeah, we've got a bit, we've got to wait for the G1 now. Nah. It's like two weeks. Nah. Uh, but so that's a good segue off of our sort of general overall impressions, which sort of give a bit of a tenor and a tone for how this, this show is gonna go. Uh, to the second sort of uh topic. And that's a question. Well, Dr. Dr. Jonathan is back. The doctor hey. has returned. We love you, uh, Doctor. The original doctor. Uh, and his question was based on what we got in the end, would you say they pulled this show off, or was there still a gap between expectations and reality? Uh so that's the question was did they pull this show off or was there still a gap between expectations
0: and reality 100 and i'll punch anyone in the face who says otherwise <laughs> um no i mean like you had everything going against this pay-per-view like you had injuries you had sickness you had uh, travel you had all these things going yeah. wrong looking tropes you, you had matches change on the fly all this kind of stuff like no, this pay-per-view really kicked ass. It was a really, really good, solid couple of hours of wrestling, like dudes grabbing dudes and two chicks grabbing each other. Um, That's great. You know, so it was one of those things where it's like, this definitely exceeded my expectations.
2: Was it key having low expectations for you, right? You think it would it have was. exceeded had you had higher expectations?
0: Big time. I, I have to lower expectations now with every aspect of my life.
2: Way to be a minute. Here's a minute. It's a good lesson in this, in this, the COVID age. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I mean, I didn't, I, for me, same as red. So I didn't have particularly high expectations. So it certainly bridged the gap and more for me as far as expectation versus reality. Um, but, you know, having said that, I knew, I knew regardless of whatever the matchups were, when I really looked at the card, I was like, you got so many good for performers involved, regardless of injury and illness and travel and whatever. Uh, that, that the matches were going to be good. You were going to come away with like four or five really good matches that would make the show pretty good. Mm. Um, and it just ended up being that like I didn't, I didn't really find any no. of the matches weak. So. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I they definitely, in spite of everything, <laughs> pulled off the show.
2: Yeah. It's like and and now we look in sort of hindsight, like I, I'm seeing some of the, the stories that are coming out about the just the sheer number of injuries that occurred, like this, like from particularly AEW's side, like they've got a like it's gonna be it's like gonna be waking up um after a big night for AEW when they realize the summer's coming and they've they've got they're missing half, more than half their roster like it's gonna be a very tough summer for them i think in terms of tv because they're just they're they're gonna have to build some people some new people are going to, have to get well, that, built I mean
1: that's good i think that that gives them an opportunity to use some of the guys that they've signed that they you know you got miro back now i think yeah. that's great um there's there's plenty of talent there that could be featured in bigger spots i'd like to see guys like keith lee get a bigger spot because we you know you see bits and pieces but you don't see too much and swerve and you know even even derby's been sort of you know on the back burner over the last few months as well so you know i mean that is the beauty of having a an expanded roster that's really really deep um and you know you've got guys back that were kind of like their guys in the beginning like Moxley and Jericho and yeah uh so they're back now that you got brian uh uh and um punk and cole out you know those three key big signings from the last few months yeah and you know potentially kenny coming back soon so i think they'll be fine and i'm i'm looking forward to uh, you know i'm all about sort of seeing you guys get featured in in story so force them to to
2: start to move towards that because ultimately the thinking coming in like i'm saying like expectations versus reality like what like did they pull the show off like what was the goal of the show like what were they trying to achieve like that's kind of my thinking for this type of question is like what were what was each company trying to achieve what was the point of this thing i think AEW wanted to try to put on something that was a a a sort of a love letter to pro wrestling a demonstration of their commitment to pro wrestling as an ideal like an idea and a thing like we are we're going to be a company that stands for pro wrestling as paramount and i think their idea for doing that is to try to connect to as many of the best pro wrestlers in the world and um, undeniably there's they live in new japan pro wrestling like that's where the 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 tippy top um, are hanging out so i think that the ability to, to to showcase that was was clear i mean obviously they got a benefit of you know, majority beating them, which is always nice for them. Um, and part of the the nature of the politics of what you're doing in any of these situations, it makes sense. I'm got no, I don't really care. As long as Jay wasn't losing, I don't really care about wins and losses otherwise. I think that's, and I think most people that that are thinking on those lines are, you know, I really think are missing the point because as, as Red and I were having a chat before, and as you mentioned, Dave, like Clark Connors, like if you're New Japan, for me going in, like I, there's the biggest thing, I was thinking like I'll I'll make this point and then I'll explain what I'm trying to get to, but like Clark Connors comes out of this, like a made man, like if he turns up on dynamite next week or two weeks or whatever, he's over. And, and that's such a, and he's, and he's a young guy. Like he's not, he's not a guy that's, that they've got, you know, they're going to push straight away, but he's working the road to shows in Japan now. So they're going to feature him and they're going to give him some chances and to get him that exposure and that experience, it's only going to be beneficial so they get it. They get everything they wanted out of those guys getting that opportunity from show Umino getting that opportunity, you know, like they get everything they need out of those that like, it's a, it's a plus, it's a massive win for those guys, just for those moments alone. Um, But it's, I think it's more than that for me, because as you said before, Dave, like it's such a lesson in get out of the way, let the workers work and just get out of the way. But I was trying to figure it out. As I said, I was trying to figure it out because I'm watching this show and I'm on Twitter and on in the Discord, and a lot of new Japan fans are just losing. their... I mean, the level of hyperbole was it was it was pretty insane. Like people were calling this like generational show of the year. That it was like show of all time. Like people were just gushing. And I was trying yeah. to think like, why are we all having this sort of this sort of shared? I, it's it's probably a delusion. Like you look back and go, I don't know if it was if it was that. To that level, I'm not sure. But the experience was was very much heightened. And I was like, I was thinking about the, like the looks on the guy's faces, like when Yoshihashi walked out and got a pop, the look on his face, it was just like, it was an emotional connection that you can't really describe, especially for the New Japan fans that have sort of followed sort of the pro, like New Japan through the pandemic era. Because like, you can't, you, you really can't dismiss or underestimate the impact of, Two and a half years of clap crowds, like you know? yeah, no, no cheering and no yeah. cheering, and of what it does, both sort of psychologically, in terms of the the wrestlers, and I, it sort of comes back a bit. It sort of reinforced to me a lot of reasons why I love New Japan Pro Wrestling, why I'm invested in that. I, I mentioned it before, you know, about like picking and choosing what I liked and aligning my interest with the the type of company and the type of wrestling that that fits with that and that reflects my sensibilities. New Japan did that, and even when the cheering went away. The, the storytelling and the character development and the way that they integrated the pandemic into their characters, the way Tanahashi was like this exasperated guy about how he couldn't have the reaction and how he couldn't like slap hands with the, you know, the young girl in the crowd that was trying to cheer for him. He's crying about that, you know, like he's building yeah. this baby face. He's just building it
1: on his persona. And I mean, how good was that moment when he played air guitar and he threw the guitar out into the crowd and there's a bunch of them, you know, like, yeah and that, to see that, that like true.
2: that it's like yeah. wow just and and so we're on this journey like imagine this thing like i'm I started to make me think man like pro wrestling is interactional like it's not oh, absolutely it's so interactional it's so i feed off you you feed off me the crowd and we having we have a relationship and i think during the pandemic it was almost the empath the empathetic relationship grew because we felt bad as fans we felt bad for them because we they couldn't they couldn't get what they normally get out of pro wrestling and they felt bad for us because they couldn't give what they wanted. So it was this yeah. mutual feeling of we're both feeling bad about what's happening. So two and a half years of everyone feeling a little bit down the dumps about where we're at, and knowing that there's this this like communication form, this interactional communication that's happening between these two parties. And for so long, they haven't had it. and it's, it's revealed so much about guys like Tanahashi, how masterful he is, because he's been able to set up matches. Okada's the same, Shingo's the same, Naito's the same. You know, El is in that category. Being able to have, to, to basically plan out a match, know what they're going to do, know the crowd and just go and do it and trust that it's going to be good. It's like they were doing matches where they didn't know if the crowd liked it or not other than polite claps. So they're having yeah. to just trust their instincts to put on great matches without having that feedback and so as i said like it was that and i realized in thinking about this show i was like that's what i'd hate about like other types of pro wrestling that are transactional like they are this is what we're going to do and you go out there and do it and we don't deviate and that's what we do and we get what you want and it's not interaction there's no feedback it's just you'll get what you're given and there's little bits in this build that are transactional like that are we're trying to tell a particular story and we're going to get to that. We're going to present you with certain things. We're not going to allow you to have that opportunity. Like a uh, Zack Sabre Jr., for instance, not getting a chance to get a mic on Dynamite. I'm like, yeah. let the man speak. Let the man speak, trust me. But it's like, oh, he's presented in a certain way and that's a transaction. He's presented. He's not able to feed and then give back. But we get to the show and it's interaction city, baby. Like everyone's interacting. And the moment that happens mm-hmm. and you see that, And it's particularly noticeable with Despy and Kenamaru on the pre-show on the buy-in where they start playing up their heel master tactics, pointing to their head about how smart they are. And the crowd is just eating it up. And it's realizing like, and the looks on their faces, like the level of pride, like I'm feeling pride. I got nothing. I got no fucking stakes in this shit, but I'm like, how good is this that they're finally getting that opportunity? And they sense of like, and as you said before, Dave, like, when the crowd went down, they the New Japan boys said, Let's bring them back up because they value and yeah. they cherish it at a level that I don't think anybody that hasn't had to spend two and a half years doing it feel they were like, You're coming back, we're getting you back because
0: Yeah, we want to be all in this together. Everyone in this together there was I think my favorite moment of the entire show, and this is gonna kind of be really weird, was it's sting. <laughs>
2: like- yeah. And I think Shivani came out just for that. I think he had yeah. one commentary. He yeah. commentated one match. It was that. It's Sting. Like, I mean, but that's. I mean, that's Shivani, isn't it? That's what people want. You know, yeah, it it's great. Up. Shivani yeah. in the back with Juice as well, just so Juice could keep saying Shivani. Just yeah. like it was like peak WCW energy. Like for people like me, I was just like, oh, Shivani. It just I like, just
0: love. I, I just love the fact that it's like. They lost a rumor and like they had to readjust. And Sting's like, guys, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Put I mean, me in the rafters. Then I'll come down here and I'll jump. Sting, okay, we get it. But he's like, no, 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 I'm going to jump on them. Yeah. Isn't
2: it one of the great surprises that Sting, in a late stage of his career, has become New Jack? Like, he just jumps <laughs> off things. Like, that's his thing. He's like, he's, he's AEW's New Jack. Just get yeah. me up on something and let me fall.
0: I just, yeah. I, I mean, they were probably my two favorite matches back to back. The four way for the US, um, well, the brand new AEW title, <laughs>
2: whatever the All Atlantic.
0: And, and but I, I love the tag team as well. I, I think that was my favorite segment of the entire night.
2: Was uh, I, yeah. I don't think anything missed. Put it that way. I don't yeah, think there was a miss.
0: Yeah, I just think that you know, I you know the pack winning part, but I didn't yeah, was see that. Great. Come, I didn't, no, I didn't that either. I thought Mira would win. Like, I was so blown away by it, and also too, the crowd was so into Connors. It was great, wasn't it? It was so cool. It's like I was, I was like, you know,
2: who's this guy to start with, I and mean, not to begin with, they were like trying to figure out who is this guy.
0: Well, I know that you and Dave have had your indie experiences, and you found guys and everything. For me, that was like I've come back into wrestling, and I've seen Connors during like the, you know the the Super Juniors, yeah. And I'm like, that's my boy. That's my boy.
2: That's good. It's great yeah. to have a boy. Well, he's, I mean, he's a young boy. Like he was over in New Japan doing those Young Lion Cups and stuff, and he was he was around, but he was around before, back when we were watching. You know, when we we're all watching together, he was just yeah. hanging out there, but he didn't have the long hair and he didn't have the the full whatever the you know the horn big horn energy.
0: I just um, thought I just thought it was great, and the crowd was so behind him.
2: Yeah, when he hit that um that that spear into the in your yeah, table I mean, it, was it was
0: crazy yeah then, was like, whoa
2: really simple stuff man like it was just yeah. like he was the underdog that was inexperienced and they just made that the story that he doesn't he doesn't really belong with these guys but he's gonna fight his way out and then yeah. people thought he was legitimately a chance of winning and it was yeah. like and then they wanted him to win it was like who who I mean you could have gotten long odds for a let's go Clark chant breaking out at the United Center you know uh-huh. like I know, but he got one.
0: He got one. He got one. And he's a
2: made man. He could turn up on dynamite and be over. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's like, how good of a benefit. And he, and he lost, no one cares that he lost. No one's worried that he tapped out. It's like, he's, he's like, new Japan gets everything they wanted. They get out of this show. They get out of a guy like that, that from now on, they've got, they've got a made man. What an awesome, what that's great. And not just him, you know, like,
0: Whole bunch ELP, uh a whole bunch of guys like Shooter. that ELP uh going into the G1. And yeah. you know, I, I thought that was that those little tiny notes are really cool because that's kind of what in the build up I think we were all disappointed about was
2: there was none of it. Yeah, there was none of it exactly. And so maybe Trent, because there was no Kevin Kelly Fred.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: Because Kevin Kelly he, I tell you what, it was an upgrade.
0: It was a, I know it, was, <laughs> it was an
2: upgrade, it was like oh.
0: But well, yeah, is... no, I think that was my favorite segment of the entire show was that that four-way match and then the tag match. I mean Sting. the Sting! it's it stone. Like, it was like a PWG match. I know. It was I a know. legit
2: PWG yeah. match, but with Sting.
0: I know. And like and the thing I couldn't stop thinking about was imagine a girl, at ELP being a little Canadian boy watching Sting, and then he's in the ring with Sting doing a nipple thing.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And And getting three Stooges spots back at him by grabbing his nose and hitting it down.
0: Yeah, I know. And I just... That's what I was thinking of the whole time. Was like, just imagine being a fan of wrestling. Mm. You are a wrestler, and now you're actually in a match with Sting, and he's doing the nipple spot with you.
1: How how good do you reckon it would have been for ELP to have the most over back rake of all time?
2: <laughs> right, and like it's and to see him like because we all laugh and think, oh, he's just like this the troll, but his tropes are funny and engaging and entertaining. And crowds just have to sit there and do little claps and things. And he hasn't had that feedback. He's a guy that relies upon it to know how far should I push it? How far can I go with this? You know, what should I bring out based on how they're feeding back? Yeah, where is the line? Yeah. Can I push the line? Yeah. He hasn't been able to do that. And so to see him say, "All right, I'm going to give the fucking titty twister a Sting. And, <laughs> like, and then get it back. And then get it back and sell <laughs> this thing while Sting forgets the spot and then just Fucking dance for a bit while he comes back. Like those those interactions are. That's where to me, of the delivery and the expectation was the point was like that's where it over delivered because it gave me an opportunity to remember like these guys are so good at what they do and they've been so good in a quite a sterile environment, you know, in a very difficult context. And it reminded me of how important that interactional thing is and and that so much of the story of matches is not so much necessarily just in the build, but it's also in what they're able to go from, like where they're able to take it from like this, think of it like what all in was and what forbidden door can be like what all in led to and the stories that came from all in like, that's the way I started to think about it. Halfway through the show, I started to stop. I started to forget about the build and think about the future. And that mm. was the that was the way it started to change me. It was like, what could this lead to? What could this be? Where could this go? And it wasn't even so much the explicit stories being told in the ring, but more the, the energy, the vibe, and the mentality and the philosophy that was happening. I was like, this is this is unlike anything I've ever really seen in terms of the positioning that they're saying. Like they're giving guys, like they gave Clark Connors shine. Like they built that yeah. around, like that was a concerted effort. We're getting you over to Umino. That was a concerted effort. We are getting you over, and it's like, I think Jericho's in there saying, "Shoot is the guy,"
1: and it's like yeah. we're going to do it. Yeah, there's and- a story here I've been telling, and here's the opportunity to continue that story. Yeah, and then, I mean that's all that's all I look for, and that's what kind of I mean that's obviously what shit us about the build. Yeah, is like continuity of story wasn't really there, but then within the context of the matches and the show as it's happening, the wrestlers, the performers did a great job of bringing those stories back, back in. Yeah, I mean you know we looked at certain things you know, certain matchups and that sort of stuff. And, you know, on the surface, oh, this doesn't make sense and that doesn't make sense. But then, like, oh, well, you know, clearly this is kind of, like, where they want to get to, Minoru-Jericho sort of partnership and that to do a a match in Japan or whatever. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, the the shooter stuff, I mean, how great was it to sort of see... I mean, it's a good segue, but how great was it to sort of see uh, the character of him come... I don't know about full circle, but, you know, three quarters of a circle around (laughs) from um, being that sort of young boy with mocks. Yeah. Uh, And then he is still holding the jacket and like that, that getting presented and, and people knowing what's going on and seeing his progression as a wrestler and, you know, the, what, you know, what he's, the decisions he's made about his character as
0: well, you know?
2: Yeah. Like his two dads. Tanahashi and Mox were in yeah. the main event. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you
0: know what's funny about Shooter is like when I watched, when I was watching Shooter the night, I literally thought to myself, is he the future ace? Yeah,
1: he's got that vibe about him. Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. Like, I, but I was he was
1: always of- destined. That
2: was his positioning, yeah. Red, remember? Like he was always, and the scary thing, the, the sort of the interesting thing is during the pandemic is Shooter lost a lot of people sold stock on Shooter when he went to RevPro. He sort of got a bit uh, out of shape. And he got, he got sent back to work under Nagata at the uh, Nogai Dojo in Japan because he'd, he'd sort of fallen a little bit out of shape. So they they sent him back to, put, to hang out with Nagata for a bit. So I'm sure he got the absolute shit kicked out of him. Um, and he was in – like, he I've seen a bit of him. I've seen a few of his matches in RevPro, and I've seen a bit of his stuff, obviously, on the New Japan Strong side. But he was in the best shape I've seen him ever. He was, he was came He came ready. He was prepared for this night. And yes, Reid, I, I think he's being presented as the guy, as they think he's got that potential. Yeah. And I tell you, he didn't. He, if if you were just going on a small sample size of that one night, he understands how to get himself over, because yeah. he he his reactions and his interaction with the crowd, and his ability to have that little ability to call to the crowd, to mention to the crowd, but not seem like he's pandering, to sort of be like, "Here we go, here we go," but not not calling them on and then the whole story being he's like gets too excited about it starts pandering everyone that gets knocked the fuck out like he's still got to go ways to go but yeah he's presented as the most interesting odd combination character because yes red i think he's presented as the ace his pants are basically tana cosplay yeah but he's the shooter and he keeps that what's great is that's a name that wasn't his name yeah <laughs> mox just called him that they said the shooter and now it's like he's got his whole. it's on the back of his jacket and he's got his whole gimmick with the fucking the bullseyes and all that
1: sort of shit man if he, he starts having like some sort of panty dropper oh <laughs> the panty dropper is here <laughs> the panty dropper that'll be the yeah. full that'll, that'll be when he goes full circle but he's like the panty dropper gimmick. He's got to just have like some sort of driver where it's like,
2: you know, he drops them down and it's like, yeah, just call the <laughs> panty dropper and we're done. You can call it a day, son. You're straight to the main event. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it, man. Like that's where New Japan is. Like it's sort of like for two years, two and a half years, it's been sort of dormant in the sense that they haven't been able to bring these guys across and connect them back up. But this is the future. Like show us the future. Uramura is the future. Narita is the future. Suja, these are guys that are out there. They're just hanging out, waiting to come back. Like, we know who these guys are. We've seen them. We've seen, we knew Shooter. We knew Shooter when he was a young boy. He knew that guy was going to be special. Yeah. And he, everyone had these high, high hopes on him. That's You don't pair him up with mocks if you don't think he's going
1: to be special. No, well, I mean, even, even Jericho, you don't do that spot in the Jericho Omega, Omega match. You know with Jericho and uh I mean that, I think that was pretty much off the cuff wasn't it but, <laughs> look what I'm doing to your son <laughs> yeah yeah but how but how brilliant is that from that interaction so much story is built from and that's the mastery of Japan Jericho and it, and I'm you know with the show on the weekend I hope we get to see a bit more of that um how he helps younger guys and yeah so I'm I mean I'm a huge fan of shooter but yeah, I like seeing the callbacks within this show. It makes it makes the shitty build more palatable. <laughs> yeah, because it also tells us, you know, it doesn't have to be shitty. It can be simple.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that backstage segment between Jericho and Shooter, I mean, that was so cool. <laughs> Paul Shooter. It, it came out of the blue and I was just like, whoa, they're actually doing a storyline with Shooter right now. Like, this yeah. is wow this is really cool
2: well i think the direction obviously i mean what i took from that is the direction is is mox jericho for the title that's where they're going to go um off the back of blood and guts i'd imagine and what better way to get mox even more enraged than to fucking burn his son yeah (laughs) we wizard burn him yeah Yeah, to give him the the fucking fire to the face so uh but if we do get i know i know that uh at Miss Doom has a question here saying, "Do we think Shooter will show up on Blood and Guts for revenge on Jericho? Fucking shoot him to the moon if it, if that happens." Yeah. <laughs> Come fucking flying in off the cage! I can shooter.
0: We want that. We all want that, and they've directed in that like sort of direction. And honestly, Shooter, New Japan, AEW—that's the guy I want to see the most right now.
2: Yeah, is it worth getting him to AEW instead of RevPro?
0: Well, yeah, I mean,
1: he's still on excursion, so why not do a continuation of his excursion in AEW before you have him do a, you know, a long tour in Japan, bring him back full time over there? I mean, that there's some story to be told there, and then, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to. I mean, he could eat pins against Jericho in that period while he's in AEW, and then when Jericho what? comes to comes to new japan then the fully formed version of the panty dropper can come out and but wrestle like, jericho in japan
0: that'd be fun what an excursion though he's having he's having a storyline built with jericho while he's on excursion
2: yeah but yeah. i mean that happens with i mean that's it's it's the upgrade of going from you know your partners like if your partner was ring of honor like like jay when he was in ring of honor had interesting matchups with you know key guys but it wasn't presented like those guys were only a certain level but like now aew has got those guys at that level you go on excursion there like that's the potential you could end up having now obviously he's he's just a bit p- player and i think most people that would go on excursion to, to AEW would end up on dark
1: i would say that's okay but that's why that's why this this partnership we wanted it from the beginning really and yep. we wanted it to be important and we wanted it to mean something for AEW as well because Because of the talent share that you can do, and it it's beneficial to young boys coming up through the New Japan ranks, and it's also beneficial for young guys in AEW to get rounds in against top tier talent on a regular basis. So, Mm. I mean, if anything, that was always that was always the thing that I had hoped for more so than a you know one off pay per view here and there. We're on record, Dave. I mean, we've got it. We'll have to go and find find it from the archives and put
2: it up when we eventually get a Patreon. As the as the fan base and community grows, you now we'll, we'll grow find an archive somewhere. But we talked about it when that had. I mean, we were we were recording live when they announced the AEW at the Tokyo Dome, and and when we speculated about what we would love to see, and that was exactly what we talked about. And it was kind of funny because I know this week Mox did a really extensive in, interview with Renee um, Paquette, his partner on the sessions, that, yeah. and he talked about the Forbidden Door and what he and I mean I look. He's the grand. He's like he's the he's the he is. He says I'm the Forbidden Door, but he is literally like, is it the maitre D? Like who I don't know what the he's the guy at the door that's making sure that this happened. And and when you think about all that's happened, and he he openly said like I love New Japan. He said that in the post match press conference. As well, I love New Japan. I love AEW. I love them both. I'm proud of both. And he said like I didn't have to be on this card. I just wanted to see it happen. And he actually made specific mention of like when he said when it was happening. He's like I was saying to people why isn't darby coming over for best super juniors why isn't he doing that why aren't we getting these guys across and why aren't we fending we want to you want to pop a big number bring tanahashi over for a three-week build for a tv main event it will work like yeah and he was he was sort of really like really focusing on those areas and he said and he, in the renee interview he talked about when he was in with the the black uh bull combat club and our training and Wheeler, you'd got the message saying that if his visa was cleared, he'd be going over. And Wheeler came up and asked them and he said to them, it, it means I'm going to miss the pay-per-view though. Like I'm going to miss the pay-per-view. And he said, Regal, Mox and Danielson, who are all there, just looked at him and said, go. He's like, what are you even thinking? It's not even a question you go. He's like, you're going to get like eight, nine matches against the best junior heavyweights on the planet. Versus one pay-per-view match, he's like, you have to go. Like, we will not, we're not stopping you from going. We're telling you, you're going. And it's like that's the philosophy that those guys have. And I think that there are there are sections in AEW that obviously
1: won't have that, but those guys certainly have that. Oh yeah, it's highly valuable now for AEW to have those guys there, particularly Regal too. I think his guidance for those young guys is going to be invaluable. His son was in the New Japan Dojo.
2: Yeah. So like he's, he's a, obviously a big proponent of that. And they've all had all those guys have had new Japan experience and they all recognize the value that it brings to their career and big part of AW. And I think it's something that's really fascinating is the guys that are most over have all come up through the same way. They've all come up through traveling the Indies, working the around the world and then working high level top and new Japan main events and big time matches and the, all the top guys that, that started the fucking company did that. Mm. And so the next generation that are coming up and are trying to replace those guys in time are going to supposed to come up through their own infrastructure wrestling once a week or once a fortnight. They're not going to have the same capacity that those guys have. They're not going to be able to work at the same level. Those guys have because they haven't had anywhere near the same experience. So the opportunity to set that up to me, that's what this show really presented was like, here is the here it is, this is the, the insight and New Japan played nice and they let their guys, for the most part, let all the guys that could lose lose. you know they took they took far more L's than, than AW did on the night. And I think they said, "Yeah, we're, we're willing to play ball. And I, I don't know what this partnership ends up looking like. I don't know what it presents, like what New Japan want to get out of it from the other side. But from for one night it was a, it was an insight into what's possible if a relationship is saying, a showed a Clark. These guys, and I mean, what a endorsement for your fucking development system. Like Clark's yeah. not. like
1: I mean, that's probably that'd be what they would get out of it. They would get out of it uh, opportunities for their guys to show out in front of the West. But we're we thinking, like, I was thinking going in, like, going off, even going back to this
2: question, and somewhat to talk about the what Miss Doom also made a question about Osprey having beef with. Uh, shibata and juice um was the, the perhaps nothing sort of encapsulated the 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 show more than osprey versus orange cassidy in terms of going in i think most people were of the belief that okay what is this pairing like obviously if we're going to do dream matches most people that are fans of osprey in particular would pick 20 guys 11 10 guys before they get to orange cassidy Mm. also on paper and but of course everyone knows that orange cassidy is a tremendous worker so there was like he'll 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 bring that out but i was thinking about what that match actually represented of like because it's such a like i really i mean I'll, i'll be honest i really enjoyed it i thought it was this like it was built in a way that osprey matches typically aren't aren't necessarily built in that he was able to actually do some kind of narrative. <laughs> like there was some kind of story there that made, that made sense of him being frustrated by the obvious guy and then being the pricky like prick heel guy. But what I thought was really interesting is how it presents Osprey to the Western audience in that respect, where it's like you to get orange Cassidy to get to that level, like the build for this when, in rampage when, Os- when orange Cassidy came running out and through his jacket, I'm like, Mm. that's a sign of like, they're really trying to tell a story here that Osprey has got under Orange Cassidy's skin, that Orange Cassidy's like defending AEW and trying to go for this belt. And he cares, like he actually cares because he he went to a sprint, a slight jog. And it's like, and the match is built to him to actually invest and care. And it only happens rarely, like very rarely, like in only big main event situations. So the fact that AEW actually did a story where they said, the guy that normally is a comedy guy, and we all looked at it and said, oh, you know, it was right off its comedy match. But what does it actually say when he gets to the point of investment that he cares so much against a New Japan guy? It elevates that feud because people that are AEW fans know that if, if, if Orange Cassidy is trying, it means something. Mm-hmm. And then it also the ability to have a match at that, at that level also positions Osprey as being this guy that's like he can have great matches with like anyone doing anything,
1: you know? Osprey's always his best when he's a snarky prick. Uh, hmm. Like in the, in the, when we saw them in Melbourne and he was up against Robbie Eagles and they were both face going in, but he played the, you know, the, I don't know, the placeholder heel because it's in Australia. And, yep. uh, you know, that's all. In my opinion, always been his best work when he's when he because he he does inject story then and becomes a character more so than just the dude who does all the fucking amazing moves. Yeah, and mate, the the chemistry between those two was quite amazing. Like some of the reversals and all, you know, not being a moves guy or anything, but but Cassidy. Cassidy and Osprey together doing some of those mid-air reversal things that were going on was just fucking insane. The degree of difficulty, yeah.
0: As as a moves guy, can I just comment? I absolutely adored the spot where they uh, Cassidy smashed his head into the camera. Yeah. Then he goes yeah. down to the ground <laughs> and he good. deliberately smack, You know, sells it. But what was amazing about that part was they set up this whole part where it's like you know. Osprey is about to do something. Cassidy will reverse it. But Osprey moonsaults, flips, flips. But the crowd, the crowd went insane for that part.
2: They subverted your expectations three times. Yeah. Yeah. Like they went head into the thing. Then I'm going to lie down to the Eddie Guerrero spot. So he's going to think that I'm going to be down and I'm going to move when he flips. Osprey then jumps and then Osprey does a double flip and then a shooting star and then points at his head to say, I'm smart enough. And then goes up. which time orange Cassidy then puts his knees up to then reverse him again it was like it was ridiculous like ridiculously to me it was almost like it reminded me of like the osprey um ricochet match where it's just like these two guys are just gonna be like and i would never have thought going it's like ricochet like we're gonna sort of stretch the but osprey it shows how far osprey's come because he understood how to Inject character and story into that to make it all make narrative sense. So that it wasn't just guys doing flips and and doing sort of intro like uh, next level lucha spots. Like they started to, you know, I just thought I'm again I'm not a big moves and match guy, but I'm watching this going like okay, starts off slow, frustrates him little heat spot, a little bit slow, and the last five minutes just go into. Yeah, that was insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Meltz is going to give that all the stars. Like we know that, right? Like it's that's gonna happen. It's like Oh, Melt is deep throat in those stars. Oh, isn't he what? Like he is going down. <laughs> it's like and he's gonna be tired because it's like the I'm not a stars guy, but I'm guessing everything had a baseline that was very high. Like it's like one of those those great epic Wrestle Kingdom matches, Wrestle Kingdom cards, which is like every match is four stars and above, you know, like it's one of those kind of shows where it's just like they're all mm. good. And then the next ones are really good. And then these are even better. But it's like I and this is the point I was really interested in. It's like I liked what they did with, with Juice in terms of he can't work because he's got his he's still got his couple of weeks to get back for G1. He cut just the greatest WCW promo. Just I just love you know Shivani. Like I love the I love the Juice and J combo backstage. That yeah. was, was great. And that the you know, consciously
1: paired together as this- and, and also. I kind of was thinking about it while I was watching. I'm like, the bigger promo here is the Juice promo. I like that that the Pip and Jordan playoff, and also that thing. he grabbed the mic.
2: Yeah, yeah. When he went to hand it to Jay, yeah. he grabbed it first and said, "Over here, oh, Shivani." Hey, the smell mess around Juice yeah. is just over here, Shivani. Pippen yeah. and Jordan in the United Center. That's also yeah. a nice little touch. Um, <laughs> but they and they and then Jay saying, "I'm going to do what you did." You know, like you beat three guys on the same. Oh, I'm going to do the same thing. Like this yeah, little yeah. subtle one-up machine <laughs> between these two.
1: And then in his post-match promo, he's like, "I beat all these guys on the yeah. same night." Blah, yeah, blah, blah. yeah. So, so they're 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 pairing them up
2: perfectly. Uh, also, it's
1: going to be fucking epic. But I think they'll have a long run together first.
2: But yeah, but also like when they during this match when Osprey and Cassidy are going, they pan the up crowd, to they the pan crowd, up the crowd yeah. and. And he's there with El Fantasmo and Hikileo. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's sitting next to El Fantasmo. Like those two are hanging out together. So it's really interesting that they've been consciously paired there, sitting up there, sort of, and they're I mean, those two could be an amazing pair, <laughs> just fucking shitbags. bags. Yeah. But they're they're allowing people to realize. I mean, Kevin Kelly's doing his best. I mean, the only downside other than the end of the show, the only downside I had for the pay of you was JR fucking getting the hot JR. tags. Oh, <laughs> oh, like, God. And yeah. Kevin Kelly is doing his utmost. Wait,
0: hang on. Are you saying are you saying JR coming? That was a bad. Oh, part?
2: it was so bad. It was he's he's a shoot heel commentator now. He's not a, he's not a kayfabe. He's a shoot heel. Like he's it's a... it's like he's shitting on everything.
0: Look, I'm not going to lie. When I heard his music, I popped. Good for
2: you. But when I heard him talk, yeah. I yeah. did the opposite of pop. I went like yeah. reverse pop. I was like, "Oh my god, please let Kevin Kelly pop. speak." because Kevin Kelly is trying his best. Like we saw it in the Zack Sabre Jr. match as well, but in this particular match, Kevin Kelly is trying to get across to the, to the Western audience this story because it's a, it's a fucking important story heading into G1 because the final night of the G1 is Juice versus Osprey. So it's a very clear direction they're going narratively. Like they're trying to tell it. Juice is up in the fucking stand. They're trying to tell this story. And Kevin Kelly is getting it across that he was betrayed by Juice because Juice is, was a friend of his. And that Juice had lied to him about this stuff, and then JR's was like, "Oh, did you drive him?" It's <laughs> like, no. And then he goes, and then he keeps going along to then say like, "Oh, that the, the he doesn't give the belt back, and, he, and he's 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 got this idea that he this is only a number one contenders match." He's trying to tell the story, and Jr. legitimately says, "How about we talk about the wrestling?" And it's like, yeah. I
1: right. was like,
2: "Are you Shut kidding up. me?"
1: I yeah. like, oh, "You're you're going to talk about the wrestling?" All right. But then, but all he does is not talk about the wrestling and just talking sh- like just started talking shit. shit, like saying nothing the whole time, saying nothing. And that actively hurt the match.
0: That's what JR is, though. That- yeah, but he never, he, but
2: he didn't used to Never, pick. he's never been this. He is, he is legitimately actively shitting on the match. Like he's actively shitting against the story of the match. We saw it in the Zack Saber Jr. Claudio match where Zach is wrapping him up in the ropes and, and JR's like, is he deaf? Karen here? He can't hear that he's calling the things like, and then Kevin Kelly has to actively say to him, Zach knows that Bryce will not DQ him. He's smart. He knows he's not going to call it here. He's going to push it to the very limit. This is the, like, that's, that's, that's the point. Strategy. Like,
1: yeah.
2: the idea is what I found, it's fascinating. And it's, I've really picked up on it now is that wrestling is so much about in the, in the context of the, the matches, in the context of the show, when the show is presented, it's kayfabe. It's a story. Everything in there should propel that story. Everything. There shouldn't be slide marks outside of it. It's, it's kayfabe in the context. JR is the worst at breaking kayfabe because he keeps mentioning things that aren't... Like when Claudio debuted and came out, JR is saying, what a pickup for our locker room. What a pickup in this thing. Kevin Kelly is saying, what a pickup for the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that is the... This, there is your distinction. That is the level that, at this point, this guy is talking about like he's got a podcast. JR's doing a podcast whilst watching the show. And shit, like, he, he might as well just bring Cornette on. At this point, like, there they go and have a talk and play their gimmick. Like, both can have their fucking gimmick because it was actively bad. And that was the only part I was like, oh, man. And I'm not alone because when I was watching on Twitter, you should see the pop Kevin... Kel- People... Kevin Kelly's winning that Wrestling Observer Announcer of the Year award back from Excalibur. He won it fucking on that show because people got to see him against those guys and hear yeah. him in comparison. And they're like, "Holy shit, this guy gets it. He's telling the stories, repelling the characters, helping them get it over. That's his job. Not get himself over. Not try to talk about who's who's legal and what's being tagged and what's happening. Not try to break the kayfabe." not break the kayfabe
1: of the match, not break the story of the match. And thank God we had Kevin Kelly. And the funny thing too about AEW is that all the ex WWE commentators that have come across and do spots here and there, or even other guys like when Taz is so much better now than he ever was. Mm at telling the story of the matches and the guys and who they are and what their backgrounds are and, you know, history of moves or whatever.
2: Watching him, I never knew how much he could add to a Zack Sabre Jr. match, but he's there. Yeah, yeah. He, he was adds great. to that match.
0: Well, Also, Taz just brings, like, that different kind of commentary too. Like, he actually has legitimate stakes behind what he says. Like, Taz has always been that. Like, when he was in WWE, I, I found it really weird where... I didn't feel like they utilized him. All nah, that he too. just sounded like a hype girl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas in AEW, he actually brings drama and emotion to every match he's commentating. On. He's fun, and he's and he's he makes slide references
2: and like he makes it's little the, things. It's inside the jokes but-
1: thing too. It's like, I mean, you still you're the heel persona, right? But you still acknowledge when someone is credible and doing good things. or... Yeah. Like you
2: don't pretend that this guy like when Taz says this Jay White guy, I love him. Like he's saying this, this heel guy, I love this guy, I love what he does, I like his psychology. It's like he's getting him over as a heel as well. Um, but he's not going actively against you, don't pretend something's great because it isn't. And I think JR just lost the compass. He just lost he just lost it. It's just and no one, I don't think anyone's going to have the tap on the shoulder and say, come on, man, let's just do those backstage interview things or those, those pre-tapes that you're really good at. Let's do those things and you can get them over that way. But I just think where we're at and what our expectations are in terms of like narrative and telling the story, Kevin Kelly being on that show was a, just, in, it was unbelievable how much I re- recognized how much I miss him or how much I would have had him on the go home show. Because if you put him yeah. on, uh, just he would have gotten these guys over, and not only that, he did his research on AEW storylines. He was promoting the what had happened in AEW the last four weeks. Like he was talking about where they're going with blood and guts. I, I like, I think Tony listened to that guy. Holy shit, what's your contract situation, Kevin? Because <laughs> like that was that was impressive. And and I I yes yeah, said I I I would have, and I I honestly believe I would have tapped Jr. on the shoulder for the the world title match and said. Charlton get in, because I think the fact that Charlton was there and didn't get to commentate it is what it is. But for I think you go okay, Jr can be there for the for the AW World AW Title. One, yeah, put Charlton in for, the, IWGP, put Charlton in for, the, yeah. for the for the the, the the IWGP World Title match because I just think yeah, you just need storytellers there to help propel the story. they're, they're those extra bits to provide the soundtrack that helps us all understand. You know, the director's commentary. You know, where we're we going, what's happening. No? Yeah, because
1: there were there were times during that match where I felt like uh, I mean Taz did a really great job of mentioning Jay, but where the AEW guys sort of didn't really talk about it was all talk about Hangman and Cole and and a lot about Carter and not so much about Jay and like Jay's the fucking champ like yeah needs to be spoken about so Taz was great there at picking up the slack then between him and the other AEW commentators I thought. What do you what do you think, Dave?
2: Just what do you think about like Reddit mentioned the crowd, like the audience and the type of reaction and the like? What like we talked about before about them being obviously a New Japan sort of fan base. I mean, but what what does that type of reaction do in terms of conveying to whatever? I think they're saying it's over a hundred thousand buys. Like, do you, do we Absolutely. think that New Japan is going to get that level of Interest off the back of this, like people watching this are going to go, like if you didn't know who Okada was, you're going to want to know who Okada is, not just for how he wrestled, but for the reaction of like, man, these people are going nuts for this guy. Like, what's what's the go of
1: that? I I mean, I look, I think just putting the fan hat on for a moment, if you're if you were an AEW guy a fan and hadn't really seen much of New Japan, and you watch this show. And you see some of these performers and some of the reactions that they get from the live crowd. I think, unless you're c- completely unaware, <laughs> unaware, um, I feel like that you're going to be intrigued enough to perhaps pick one or two guys to maybe go back into their anal's <laughs> yep. and have a have a look at, you know, some of their stuff from New Japan or potentially you know, hearing about this G1 thing, potentially going, oh, what's going on over there? Maybe I'll have, you know, I'll keep my eye on Carter, on mm. or, you know, why is, why is that guy, you know, the big name is Okada. Why is that guy Jay the champ, you know? Yeah. What's the goal? If you're the if, if of those you're those in guys? any way curious, then there's things in there that would draw your attention because there's plenty of guys who really showed out even in minimal time spots. Like, oh, know, yeah. You see a guy like Shingo on that show and you're like, man, is there a guy who can do speed and power cleaner than him?
0: What a God. What an absolute God Shingo
1: was.
2: Yeah. And Kevin Kelly, again, great work, Kevin, saying that's the thing. He's like, that's the thing, Taz. There's no one that's like that. There's no one that – and you got to give it to Shivani. Shivani there, to he was in that match to yell sting, but he's watching Shingo and he literally says – this guy can do all the moves <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he can do everything well, he can. he's like yeah. he can do everything like and it's like yes he can do everything and to present him in that space where it's like i again red and i were talking about that match earlier but the the like presenting those guys in a pwg style match for crazy with sting the the you know new jack sting and just having this like This ridiculous PwG spot fest, but the the interest that that generates of like not only that, but a guy like EOP being pair of the bucks, where you can clearly see the lineage of like Mm -hmm. of where he is in the where he has learnt these things and what he what tropes he likes to employ and why he likes to employ those things. And you see a guy like Shingo in there, where it's like this guy's got this charisma that you can't quite quantify and and to be present, I mean, the, the, I said to Red, the great loss is Haruma not being able to be there because can you imagine that crowd for for yeah. And Poor Haroma was so sad. He's like tweeting about for sure. Forbidden Door two. I'll be there. Like I wanted to be there, and that's the that's the world we live in. Like if you got a fever at the airport, they won't let you travel.
1: And well, yeah,
0: well, Shingo had like this complete aura about himself. Like during the entire match, he had this complete thing about him where like the crowd was one hundred percent behind what he was doing.
2: He moves like, different
0: he, yeah, that's what i mean I, like it was so cool and that's that's kind of like where the pay view got made for me was seeing how they reacted to shingo like that really made the entire card for me that, that set like the start of the entire thing for me like wow they're really behind this guy like
2: I loved it too red when he did the he does the more 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 claps yeah. where he's so used to he's been doing it for two and a half years where he does the but bup, 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 bup and he expects the crowd to clap and the crowd didn't know whether to clap or cheer and so they were having this weird like moment of introspection like do we try to chant japanese with him like what are we doing and they're like they they just they just audibly made the sound there's like like and uh it was it was brutally awkward and it was just like this moment of like it sort of snapped me back into the reality of like oh that's right like shingo is Like he's bringing all the stuff because he's been so, he's one of the pandemic heroes because he's able to engage the crowd during the time when they can't cheer. And so he goes into fucking overdrive when they're able to yell for him, you know?
0: His moves were amazing. Like, you know, he does so many cool moves and everything like that. And the crowd was just like right behind it. Like his moveset is so cool. Like I love Shingo. I everything
2: about Shingo, man, everything. And the thing about Shingo, like he's just, he's a cool dude. And you're putting him in there, and you're presenting him as a as a guy, and you, and you're wrestling against ELP, which they're going to wrestle in the as a G1 preview match. They're going to wrestle in the G1, so like, and obviously he goes over ELP, which brings up smellness, big smellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like ELP might be getting that one back, and and it's like ELP and him are in, again. These guys are, as Dave was saying, like these guys have been put in a position where they've been told you're not really your, your job here is not necessarily to tell some big grand arcing narrative about, you know, the, the importance of whatever your character or whatever, what your job here is to do is to present something different and just present what you are, what you embody. And Shingo's out there doing his, just his weird movement. Everything about him is just so different and people are just drawn to this, the, the dragon. It's like, what is this guy? And it, it sort of reminded me when I was thinking of all the breakdowns um. Like this is the C show, man. We'll say it before this is this this show. What would have it, what would have the reaction been had we got what we were what was initially booked? Mm. Like,
0: mm.
2: like what would have that card been? Like it's not even worth speculating, but we know what the top matches were going to be. And like how like how much better could it have been? And can people conceptualize how that would be better? And then holy shit, what does that mean for the future? If they do eventually get to that point where they get everything and the stars align, it's,
1: I, I'll put with, it down. With now. a year, with a potentially yeah. a year's worth of story. Perfect, yeah.
2: with, yes. And and I mean story, and this is a good, this is a perfect segue off this to go to the uh, the last sort of area to go to of like, what lessons could be learnt from this first show? So sort of a topic, what can we learn? What can you take away off the back of this successful first show, what lessons can we learn from this show?
0: Lower expectations. <laughs> <laughs> That's...
1: But the problem with this show now, Red, is that we're going to have expectations. <laughs> yeah, you can't have low expectations off the back of this show, Red. It's impossible. I, yeah. I think.
0: I think the the big takeaway from all of this is that you can you're allowed to be excited about wrestling again. Because for so many years now, like not just like the pandemic and everything, we've been let down. AEW has put on average pay-per-view after average pay-per-view after average pay-per-view. I, well, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> <Well, laughs> they had one bad show. <laughs> the no, 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 no. This was a good thing. But what I'm saying though, it's like their big pops and their big thing was like Adam Cole and Danielson. And, you know, they had good matches and everything. But this was a legitimately... Good card that actually delivered. Like, this is the thing that I was trying to explain before. I watched the invasion angle. I wasn't there for WCW New Japan back in the day, but I still saw the invasion angle.
2: Star K 95. Uh, it wasn't Forbidden Door, greatly exceeded Star K 95.
0: That's what I mean. this entire thing, though, this is a great relationship between the two companies and the fans. This is going forward. I really, really want to see storylines develop, and I want to see more and more of that sort of stuff happen. Because the, this pay per view really, really was, and reminded me of All In. It was. It's what wrestling actually is. It's good matches between the best wrestlers <laughs> okay. in the entire world.
2: Cage match talking
0: here. <laughs> I mean. With this show,
1: they've set a really solid foundation to build on. Yeah. Uh, so y- <laughs> you just hope that they do their due diligence and, and do it justice from here on out, as far as, yeah, take like building those stories, telling those stories, and like what everything that we missed on this one, like the, the build to, for me, for me we need the next in the next one to to surpass this it needs to have story going in because yeah look don't get me wrong love this pay-per-view but this pay-per-view with a year build and great stories would have been so much so much better well yeah for me for me there's
2: a big takeaway of his thing sells out instantly off the back of the name alone and the, the concept so his his quick timeline for how we've gotten to this point shows announced uh people certain people on twitter certain people in discords get wind of said show being announced and get very excited early and then show gets announced and there is a massive uh, you know run on tickets that sells out okay from that point on the expectations get lowered and lowered as we get closer and closer to the show so People were worried about second. the, the, the it's, it's a reality. Like the scalper market, they bought up certain things. The, it bottomed out. You could get into the show for $4. Like it bottomed out. They were trying to get clear out the last bits of, of those tickets to make sure people filled the stadium. And they did. They made over a million-dollar gate. Great. Like second biggest, close to the first biggest gate in the history of AEW. So insanely successful. But it was lowering. Cool. Yeah, this one just behind um, uh, the, last, the last show in terms of the gate. Because um, the ticket prices, they, they're raising the ticket prices as they go along, um, post sort of as they come out of that pandemic era. But in any case, uh, pay-per-views were not at the level that they're going to be relative to their previous mark. So every pay-per-view that AEW has done has gone end-over-end, like compared to the previous one, has gone up. The last one was about 150165 at TK at the uh, press conference has noted it's, they're, they're expecting about 100 and above of that, and that's going to be a success for him, which is good. It is good. But the danger with this show heading in was we knew that the TV ratings and the stuff had sort of sagged. We knew that the that the crowd anticipation had sagged, and we knew that the potential buy rate was going to sag. So how do you, knowing that the audience is sort of shrinking for the show as you go, get closer to it because of the chaotic build, how do you ensure that when you announce the next one that there will be the same level of anticipation? You have to put on a fucking all-timer. Because the fear of missing out, the FOMO that's going to be there and the, the, the word of mouth coming off of this show that people are saying, my God, I, I was there when I thought when Claudio's music hit or I was Shibata returned or how great were all these matches and how awesome this show this is just the best ever. All of that goodwill and all that sort of enthusiasm carries the next one. Because here's the thing. If you get the A show, if you get the A show coming off the back of it, you can announce a stadium. You could do that. Off the back of it, you could sell a stadium. That is the potential this thing has. And I don't think AW have any other property that they could legitimately announce and people would, just by the fervent nature of it, you could announce fucking Wrigley Field, 100%. Chicago, and say, all right, we're going to run this thing and we're going to do Omega, Okada, and we're going to do Jay and Hangman on as the fucking... I, I'd
0: fly there. I would fly there. People I would. would. That of course, they would. Yeah. I would fly yes, there.
2: That's what I'm saying. It's got that level of holy shit because this show proved, with everything that went wrong, they could still deliver it. It proved it, the best proof of concept you could ever get is we literally took half of the pieces out of the game, the puzzle. We took everything out of this. We took we, we're playing with fucking half a deck. And we still got a full
1: house. Well, not only that, not only that, we'd completely fucked our booking two, two to three months in the lead up. Yeah. Just even on our own show. Yeah. We're, we're, we're struggling a bit here. We're having we're having a few issues. <laughs> we did everything we could to make yes. this fucking And shit. we didn't.
2: And it wasn't. Every yeah. chance of a letdown was there and it wasn't one. So to get to this point where we're at is the, the potential of like, what lessons can be learned? And my thinking of it is, what do we take away from the show? And my biggest impression, as you mentioned before, Dave, was the stories that the guys, let the guys do their own thing because trust the workers, trust them to tell their own stories because this is, the type, this is, a, this is a unique thing. And if we're going to follow the spirit of all in, follow the spirit of all in. Those guys booked all those fucking angles on a fucking YouTube it blog.
1: YouTube show, yeah.
2: Like They were telling their own things separate to the, to the universe that was existing in New Japan and Ring of Honor at the time. They were telling their own narrative that was made sense within the context of those places where they worked, but yeah. they were their own thing. And they were like this outside thing that they could do. You can do the exact same thing with Forbidden Door. You could do, and Zack Sabre Jr. has been doing it for months. He's been talking about Danielson. Because the thing about this, and this is the crazy thing, I know Western fans might be not sort of used to it, New Japan guys always call out people from other companies. They've been doing it forever. Like, it's not... They they recognize the, the universe of pro wrestling that, that exists and that people are out there. Like, fucking... They'll call out guys from all Japan just for the fuck of it. You know, like, it's just, just oh, we'll see this thing. Like, it's not uncommon. Like, fucking Hiromi's calling out Noah guys left, right, and center. Despy's calling out the entire universe. They push it out in there. They they go out there and they they suggest it. Like, Despy wanted Linderman, And it fucking happened. Like, it's possible... If they you give these guys and they let them build their stories, and I, I was the same thing going. I was like, oh man, this four way. What are they going to do with this four way? And obviously, the big takeaway out of that four way for the world title was Adam Cole's untimely injury. I thought he had he was great in that match too. By the way, he was. Yeah, I, I felt so good
1: for him in the sense yeah, of like, too. like yes, Adam, fucking go. The timing on some of his his. Because he did a lot of kicks, a lot of super kicks. Super kicks. He on some of them were fucking ridiculous. And the talk is he got knocked early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So potentially do that concussion <laughs> and have yeah. yeah. Like
0: I was talking to Adam Cole before early in the morning, and uh, he seems pretty good. And I, I did actually ask him about his super kicks and everything, and he told me that his whole agenda was to win the match.
2: That's that's a good thing. <laughs> that's so a good thing. Love. Get to the pay window, as Jr. <laughs> would say. Uh, but it, it is the, that, that story though, think about it. Like he, it, this is, this is what I thought about the show. I thought this show was cursed going in, but this is the, this is the perfect example and watch him, watch them work, watch them work. This is the perfect example of what this is, what's possible for a show like this, because Adam Cole gets knocked out and he can't finish the match. Jay obviously calls the audible and says, we're ending this right now. Like, I think the story was from the way it looked, it looked like Adam Cole was meant to take that rainmaker. And then yeah. that looked like that was the logical end to the match anyway. But Adam Cole, I think forgot. I think he legitimately forgot the spot because he, he did the exact same spot, maybe five seconds or like five, maybe three or four minutes earlier where he did the, the, the Kenny drop. So I think he just repeated that by like, just because he's fucking the out of it. He
1: was. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and so anyway, Jay does the thing. But if you think about the story of that, like Jay pins a like a legitimately injured, hurt Adam Cole, no like sympathy. Holds him down. <laughs> holds him down. Shoot, holds him down. You're not getting up. And then marches off whilst fucking Kyle O'Reilly's giving him shit as they're walking out. Like just t- talking all manner of shit for what he did. Even though, and this is an important point to make, we got it. Like the story of that match is perfect because one, the crowd told us that they really cared. Important yeah. crowd told us they cared, but they were able to make. They didn't. They didn't rely on any of the tropes. Like that's the thing. Like they didn't do that. We're in. You're out. We're in. You're out. They. They basically were having like two matches happening simultaneously. And they were doing like a tag match to start with. Yeah, they set up as yeah. a tag match to start to begin
1: with. And then turns and then, yeah. A like literal backstabber. On each other and then a they, literal yeah, backstabber. A literal backstabber. Yeah. And then the faces had a moment together where they turned on each other. Yeah. Yes.
2: Because, it, and then you get this story coming out of it is that Adam Cole, in this match, Adam Cole, shoot, challenge Jay White's leadership. He shoot, yeah. challenged him. He said, I think I should win. I'm the one that's going to take, I want to stab you in the back. And I'm going for it. And not only that, Jay White overcame him. And not only that, he 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 was knocked out cold. He wasn't strong enough. Adam Cole wasn't strong enough to handle the New Japan strong style. Jay is going to eat out on this for like...
1: Oh, and also hits Okada with a rainmaker and still chooses to pin Adam Cole. Yes, yes. <laughs> Very
2: important things that he's doing here. And not only that, then then importantly
1: did i say rainmaker then i meant um a blade rainmaker. runner yeah. yeah yeah
2: yeah he hits the blade runner on okada rolls him out set get out of here i'm gonna pin the injured guy because yeah. i'm the most opportunistic guy but then after that then of all that then goes and talks shit to hangman like yeah so every everyone else is then goes talks to the other guy and then is clearly seen showing three oh three oh to me and that's how you do it because in that story we've got the clear direction i know that the direction the long-term direction is hangman jay i can that match they're telling the story right there they're saying hangman's not involved in the finish jay it's beaten up his like adam cole who's he can tell the whole story of this guy's you know try to take me out but you guys aren't even near my level because you can't do that and i've you know overcome him and then okada's like outside of the whole thing like these fucking guys like it just allows so many things to happen from that one thing. And then obviously the Bucks come out. Importantly, the Bucks come out with Cole O'Reilly. Their yeah, first instinct is to go. Cole. Yeah, they ignore Adam Cole and look at, go to see what's happening with Hangman to make sure that's okay. And
1: O'Reilly's like, wait, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he
2: brings them back and saying, what are you doing? After he's already gone after Jay by, you know, really getting into him. So you're setting up this really nice balance that's happening there. A real clear positioning for Jay that doesn't have to be overt. It's subtle. And we can play that out over a year or two years where they're, they're speaking to each other across the ocean. It doesn't have to be this... On the same show. Yeah. It doesn't have to be on the same show, but we know that they're connected. And Jay will just... He can just... Like I said, he'll dine out on that Adam Cole... Adam Cole tried to go... He tried to test me, but I'm the strongest leader. And, when, and what needs to be stated and cannot be overlooked, and if people haven't seen it, fucking check it out. The AEW press conferences, which are renowned for these nice media scrums where everyone gets to talk about how the matches were put together and talk about their spots and talk about what they did, Jay White comes in full character and angrily starts <laughs> screaming at the the, the the belt holder, <laughs> the belt, and and the guy's laughing because it's a fucking joke, but it's not a joke. It's like he's like, "I'm glad it's humorous to you." It's yes. like having a having a full on. Like angry fit, Tony Khan yeah. has no idea what to do. He's just like, <laughs> oh he's like, I'm not hugging this guy. And then there's this whole run of him just answering questions in kayfabe. And the question is like, you've been challenged for your leadership. Like, I'm the strongest. I'm the best. Why? Like, why am I worried? I'm yeah. not worried. Why am I worried? He's propelling his story in that thing. I knew it was going to be that. I tweeted out beforehand. Here comes like kayfabe J, and they're not yeah. going to be prepared for the J once J Fabe's in here, that's like we don't know what to do because he's too he's him and MJF are the only guys that are gonna be that they're not gonna break character for anyone. And and there's this whole beauty and like, well, what's great, what's so simple, and Jay just gets it, he just understands it because it's he's on camera in an AW context, he's gonna keep doing it. When he leaves, Mox is on his way in, and Tony Khan to his credit, he says, All right, I'm playing a fuck I'm playing along. He's like, he's like yelling to the the handlers make sure get someone between those people, get that guy's spicy, get someone between those people. And TK to his credit for the entire press conferences keeps referencing Jay as this petulant, angry, yeah, like, yeah. Title like holder. Yeah. disrespectful guy. Like, Oh, the, when the belt holder, and that, the belt holder becomes the story of the press conference. Every person that comes up. Now they come running to put the belt on. <laughs> as they're all concerned about the <laughs> oh, thing. FTR is like, it's okay. We'll just sit them there. And it's like, Oh, we'll not like him. the other. And and Tony Khan's like, not like the other IWGP champion, just disrespectful, like just to just uncalled for. And it's just like, perfect. Yeah, do that. And and the way Jay's like pandering to fucking like, oh Tony, I'm just look, I'm just, I'm just trying to be nice here. I'm trying to do a good thing for you. I'm trying to do the thing. Like they're the types of things where it's like, that's how you do it. Like I understand my TV minutes and my I gotta maximize my minutes and I'm gonna try to propel the story the best I can in any context I can whilst I'm in your domain. And that's what i do. And it's like, I think that like, he makes
1: it very clear. He's like, I've been in the business less than 10 years. And you know, by saying that he's saying, I fucking know how to do this shit better than all of you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and that to me was the lesson. The lesson was, was trust the talent. Like, yeah. And I think Tony Khan Mm -hmm. learned, I think he learned the lesson. Because in that press conference, he learns a lesson. He's sitting there in this awkward moment of like, oh, that's right. <laughs> they, this guy does things differently than my guys under my, in my company. That's okay. He does things differently. That's And Okada does it the same way. When the fucking AJ Awesome, the great kid that's like 11, is asking yeah. him about how does he call a match when there's two different... And and Okada's like, there's a fucking toddler here asking about (laughs) in-ring spot calling (laughs) it's like okay um and then but he tells it in a kayfabe story wrestling is a universal language and the way that i work is i try to bring my style and their style and we connect and we can try to see who's the strongest it's like it's still kayfabe to him he's keeping it within the logic still not not that makes sense it's a it's a correct answer in the sense of like yeah that makes sense they're calling spots that they're all connected on they understand this thing but he makes a kayfabe too because that's how they do it in New Japan. That's just how they yeah. do the backstage press conferences. And I think TK got a really great lesson there. And as I said, the lessons moving forward is like trust, trust the guys to do what they do in the context that they do it. So like yeah. when I have a Zack Sabre Jr. on the show, let him talk. When I have a guy who's a great worker, let him work. When I have like let them be themselves on my program and trust that they will that have some trust that they will do what they do. And I felt like in that press conference, we got to see for the first time, TK sort of lowered that thing and actually acknowledged. Yeah. Okay. I'll trust. I'll trust with Jay because I'll keep referencing it because I think Jay was doing something and I'll make sure that we, I'll keep mentioning it. Like he just kept mentioning it. It was just like, and journalists were pissed. It was great. The media were upset. It was tremendous. I couldn't have been happier. The awkwardness of them. Like, he wouldn't answer our questions. He was asking, like, it was like, yeah, he's a pro wrestler. They're all giving yeah. you, they're all working you. He's just making it very clear he's working you. And I just thought it was, it was a tremendous insight into what's possible off of the back of these shows. We don't need, we don't actually need four weeks of TV for these shows. I honestly believe that. I don't think, um, and we've got a question here from a new, a new listener, a new question to sort of round us off here was uh, from Edgar E, Edgar uh, underscore the oceans on Twitter said for future joint shows between AEW and New Japan, do you think staggering talent will work or does it always, uh, does it have to be all big names all the time to be successful?
0: Um, I mean, yes, it would be nice to have Naito there and a few other things, but I think what we kind of got was a really nice entree. Like I dare I say as a nice lunch. Um, it was a good card, full stop. I don't think we need to have the top guys coming over every single time for Forbidden Door. Like, we don't need to have a Carter and Naito and all those guys to make a good show. We saw that,
2: yeah, exactly. We saw that,
0: but I mean, at the same time, though, it's like the show was so good that going forward, it's a bit hard to understand or like really, really to be honest, I don't care. I don't care what the next Forbidden Door is going to be like because this one was so good. Yeah, you're you're
2: expecting it to be good. Yeah. You can't lower the expectation. So what's good about it is it opens up opportunity because what it says is we only need one or two marquee matches and an undercard of just interesting tags and interesting multi-mans and we're we're, we're good because the formula is there. We put a a, a multi-man like the Bucks and ELP versus Sting and we put them on the card and that'll be that will work. People will will say, yeah, that's a weird matchup, but I bet you it'll be good. And you have a couple of key matches that people are genuinely invested in, like that. You don't need a Wrestle Kingdom yeah. card where every match has a story that's built for a year. You just need a couple.
1: Yeah, you just have you have the drawing matches. You have those two, you know, the top tier talent from both both ends, whoever's available or whatever, and that's your draw. But yeah, staggering talent, I think, is a great way as long as they're all given opportunities to showcase what they can do which in this show they did really 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 well beyond any expectation
2: and it probably shows you don't need story for every guy on the undercard in that respect either you don't need a lot of story to have it across the 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 spectrum of the show you just need to say let's dedicate let's dedicate maybe six to eight weeks before the show starts let's dedicate it to our two main events or our two main stories and let's just focus on those guys and we'll just sporadically like make mention of cards like i don't think you need to build story for every card you just literally announce a card and have your clear matches that have been set up in advance like that we know that that's where they're headed yeah and you're good to go and i think off the back of this like as i said the transition from where this show was where i looked at it before to now i say like this is a starting point for feuds that can lead and i know that um miss doom made a question of that about like with osprey and shibata and juice like how's this going to work and it's like that's one i don't know like shibata's renowned for doing you know shooting angles and never paying like we're still waiting for that kent match but but the idea of like planting a seed like using this show to plant seeds is a really great way to think about it where and then water that over the course of the year without having to be there all the time like if one day wrestles osprey this will be mentioned the same way like like there's there's little seeds that can be planted when suzuki and jericho like it gives us a reason to invest in the long term sort of uh special attraction matches if they come up and it allows people to tell stories and people to believe that it's actually possible like this is what this show has proven to us all it's it's actually possible like if if you think danielson like we all know danielson junior like Zach it's going to happen we know Danielson, and Zach will happen like we know that it's going to happen and we couldn't have said that two years ago you just couldn't have said that like that wasn't something that was possible mm. and the p- potential of a hangman versus a Jay with a considerable build over a long period of time where it's almost like that you know that that sort of future thing that they can both have ascended themselves like you can imagine that where they can both ascend to become even bigger stars and you can actually get to the point where they've they've started that story now. So in two years' time where they're both at the you know at their magnum, like they're the top. Then you've got the fucking gigantic match you can you've built organically through their relationship. Because that's the thing about this. Like we've only got so long that we can build matches on what was great in New Japan. Like mm. we can only do the Akada Omega rematch, you know, so many times. We can only do the cool stories that happened. We have to start building rivalries off the back of it and to me that's that's where i sort of saw this show beginning as that first step of saying yep we've got a potential to actually build something from this point
1: going back to miss doom's question about shibata i think that that to me it makes perfect sense if he's coming back to do a feud to do a feud with osprey and juice over the u.s title being that he's kind of the foundation of new japan in the u.s with the la dojo and that sort of thing and they come back and and be in a in a title picture with dojo versus empire yeah but for that u.s title because he's he's the u.s new japan guy yeah yeah exactly i think that's a great spot for him
0: it makes perfect sense
2: yeah and we're living in a world now where i mean Kashida's back everyone just to you know spoiler alert, but that that happened and it's like New Japan is getting to a point where they're they're getting back on their feet and they presented their their best selves and they put a guy like Shibata, like, yeah, a guy like Shibata being presented there is, you know, what do you say? Like honestly, what do you say? You just say this is if it was for one night only, like Shibata for the sunny, sunny Shibata, as I said, Dave, the coolest man
1: that's ever lived. Like Yeah, if he comes back, he should be wearing sunglasses, <laughs> yeah, he might be from the whole because that is the coolest man alive
2: yeah and and I just think that it was so nice to see like of all the like and you get the you know your main event thing we got like we got so many things we got FTR winning the IWGP belts and then saying we're coming to Japan like Shibata was like the sixth thing on the show that people were he didn't get brought up in the press conference like holy shit Shibata's here like FTR winning those belts being presented and saying like and really caring about what they've done and then and talking about Mudo and Hase, like they, they, were very, they were very sort of glowing about the IWGP ta- tag titles. But what that also says, like this, this is like a position where New Japan said, yep, you're going to win these belts. It was like there's, there was more than just an exhibition. It was more than just a one night only. This is going to be a great thing and we're going to all sit back and be happy that we got to see it. It was a declaration of a commitment. It was a commitment yeah. ceremony live to the fucking audience. You know, and I, I was, when Tanahashi was getting the cheers, I wanted them to consummate this relationship. I w- I was ready. I was like, fucking give this man the AW belt. Do it. I was like, call it in the ring. Just fucking do it. Because <laughs> Call it in the ring. Wouldn't that have yeah. be, been great? Yeah. Yeah. Mox is saying, nah, we go with him. Because yeah. poor Mox, who got cut open hard way, like everyone was, yeah. giving him shit. Yeah. everyone was giving him shit for blading again. He's like, no, I bonked heads on the fucking sling blade. and. He's like he's he's the baby face pissing out <laughs> fucking choking the shit out of Tanahashi. Meanwhile, the crowd, I don't think I don't think when they put that match together, I know they like Tana getting simpy. I don't think anybody expected Tanahashi to get like the oh, crowd. Tana, I mean that's
1: insane because Tana is the most simpy. I know, but they're yelling go ace and booing mocks. Yeah, they yeah. Up, they're they're booing mocks. It's like It's
2: you just couldn't you just couldn't script it better where it's like that one moment where it's like I just was like at that point I I was convinced that they could do it and a show with all the hassles and all the issues and all the injuries could convince me conceivably at some point in a match they would actually give him the AW belt which you know that's the thing we knew who was going to win we knew what the result like I I could like we knew where they were going politically we knew that. And they still made us feel something is it's a fucking magic trick and at the end of the day like if they can do that at this point then i i buckle up everybody because it's gonna get it's just gonna get out of hand like we're gonna get something truly truly special like i don't think people can prepare like we get on a plane it's like if they if it gets to be the true crossover event the actual crossover event that we all wanted at the beginning and they build it with time and they give it time. That's their that's their money match. That's their money thing. And I just think New Japan might want to do events in, in Japan with forbidden door stuff where they get the top guys. But I think ultimately, I think the long-term play for this is is growth on year on year, but it's, it's the stadium one. I think that's the stadium
0: show. Well, I mean, I, I said it before. I'm like, this is the first one of this and they're going to set the benchmark. And they did. Yeah. And going forward, this literally has to turn into, as you said, a stadium thing. This has to become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger.
2: And I think it can be. I'm saying it, it's like, I think it's the only way they can capture it because it's not just it's not just that it's not just getting the New Japan audience and getting them across. That's not going to fill up stadium. What sells the stadium is how special it feels. And the next time it won't be the novelty. The next time it'll have to be the, the investment. You have to invest next time. You have mm. to be invested in the outcome. And you have to believe that it's possible that that someone could actually win a title in that. We got FTR to do it. But if you could believe that like a Kenny Omega or could win an could win the the IWGP title, if you could believe that, then it will sell. It will sell. I I have no doubt the Forbidden Door, uh, Forbidden Door 2 will be will be bigger and better. And maybe it's relationships a bit like the Okada Omega fucking. Uh, the, the theories, right? Or it's like, it when you just don't think it can get any better. It just keeps getting better. Maybe it's it's got that potential because I, I did not want to like this show at the level I did. I did not want to feel things at the level I did. I was just like grumpy little me thinking this is going to be, you know, don't get too excited. Don't get too hyped. And by the end of it, I'm like, I think I've just witnessed greatness. I was fucking, I was on cloud nine. I didn't feel my legs. I was just swinging my arms. I did not know what I was doing.
0: I guess you could say your forbidden door was busted open. Oh,
2: it was. I was ready. Someone could have taken me. I was fucking, I was there. You know, unbelievable, unbelievable show, really.
0: It's the reason why I'm into wrestling. It's
2: it's not the reason I'm into wrestling, which is why it's unstunningly that like a show of good to great matches with not like just a lot of shit happening uh, isn't necessarily what I'm into wrestling. But as I said, man, it's what it says, you know. Not since All In have I felt this hopeful about pro wrestling.
0: I I pick up what you're saying, Josh. It was the greatest pay view of all time.
2: I do <laughs> um, I, I'll I put it this way: it was my it was the greatest experience I've had watching wrestling. I'm not joking. I I honestly thought it was the best experience of watching wrestling I've ever had. I did not expect to. I. It's been a very well, long I mean, two and a half years.
0: I mean, well, I mean, it's different for me because. The best experience I have of watching wrestling is when I'm watching with the two of you. Oh, yeah. Red, thank you, Red. Going to make me cry.
2: You're, we're in the Discord, Red. No, it, it. What I mean is like I've been alone. We've all been alone together throughout the throughout the pandemic. We've all been alone together, and to 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 go through all that shit and to just to see the guys get an opportunity and to see, I did not expect to feel the way I felt. So I was incredibly invested and to see the fans that we have, like people that have followed this stuff, the people I was chatting on Twitter during the dark days, miss doom's one of them, you know, that have come along. She's, she's never watched miss doom has never watched new Japan pro wrestling outside of the pandemic era. Never seen it. Like she started during the pandemic era and I cannot wait. I am so I'm, they're the people I'm praying for that. We get crowds cheering for the G1. They're the ones I am because you
1: do
0: not know oh, how Miss, great it can Miss be Doom,
1: or, I mean a, yeah. yeah you want to see a G G1 in full flight because it is something it's, else com- it's yeah. completely
0: different. it's like the wrestling is almost better, and the people are chanting and cheering and yes yes, it is right yeah, I know it's like it's crazy
2: yeah, it's like... there's a connection between us and them and and sometimes we forget it and it's been I didn't realize how much I'd, I'd forgotten it until I got to see it in full effect with the guys that I knew and loved and, and invested time in. Yeah, unbelievable stuff, man. So good. And it's it's just I'm just hopeful. I'm actually hopeful. And people people that are listening that might not re- like there's a big thing for me to say like I have I'm not known for my uh, optimism. So the the position I find myself in is so curious. So yeah, I just if you haven't seen the show, we've fucking spoiled the shit out of it, but Go watch it. Um,
1: <laughs> I mean, fuck! Uh, you're watching a review show and you haven't seen it. That's uh, you probably don't need to put in. Well, a spoiler disclaimer. Yes. What are you doing? If you're any of those people that listen
2: to podcasts instead of watching shows, should be ashamed of yourself. That's what I'm saying. You should be ashamed of yourself. Now, thanks for the thanks for the listen, but you should be ashamed of yourself because you got to you got to be there in the trenches with the people on Twitter, on whatever Reddit, Discord, wherever you fucking they're engaged with. We're all alone together watching pro wrestling and connecting on this stuff that we find a bunch of random dudes and girls in tights fucking rolling around, trying to tell simple stories to, you know, to simple adults <laughs> as we watch, <laughs> as we all follow along uh, and try to figure out what the fuck's going on in this thing. Um,
0: I've been yeah. trying to tell you this whole time, wrestling is actually really fun.
2: Yeah, it can be. It's getting fun again, that's for sure. That's the point, Red. I felt like I did when I was a kid. And that's and it's not nostalgia. It wasn't nostalgia. It was something entirely different. It was potential and 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 a feeling like that the actual wrestling direction was aligning with the things that I think wrestling can and should be. And this open and connected and this multiverse that exists out there that people are not not ignoring reality. They're not pretending like this stuff doesn't happen. They're not pretending that issues outside. They're connecting it all together. And it's as authentic and true as possible. And they're putting it on in front of insane crowds that are also invested in wanting that to happen. That's what pro wrestling can be. And as a kid, like I thought it was all real. And as an adult, I know it's not real, but the reality of pro wrestling that exists and the way that the masters of it weave that into their storytelling, they have presented as a way to do it. We knew this was cursed. We knew the politics. We knew all that sort of stuff. And they still found a way to trick me and that, when that happens, you just say, Yep, that's as good as it gets.
0: Well, Josh, it kind of sounds like it's the reason why you're into wrestling.
2: Yes, I'm thankful for everyone here today that helped me figure that out because I, I was trying to figure out why I would like it, Red.
0: And... It's, it's almost as if, like, you were like, really looking forward to a wrestling pay per view and you Uber Eats, Subway. And when it gets there, it's actually like a nacho or like a pizza or like a gozlami or something interesting.
2: No, no. You know what I find fascinating, Red? is when something aligns to my interests and I do not try to place that upon others. I don't predispose what I like onto others. I don't suggest that what I like is what others should like. Instead, (laughs) I seek out the thing that I like and I shape my entire engagement around that. And I I don't discredit others who like people like other things you get nice food but red it's about context and what we, we like a
0: great pay-per-view
2: we did and, and whatever that is for it. yes and whatever that is to you whatever that is to you that's the thing i found what i liked and what i liked i did not expect to find
0: it's and like that's uber the eats. Point. you get uber eats man
2: yeah, it's I mean incredibly convenient. I'm on the fucking the ten dollar a month plan thing. You can sign up. You don't have to pay delivery fees. It's great. I would have
0: to literally get a mountain goat like or Jeff Cobb to like walk up the hills to like deliver food to me. <laughs>
2: yeah. A mountain goat or the goat or Jeff Cobb? One of the yeah, two.
0: Both.
2: Yeah. I would order Jeff Cobb on Uber Eats. Make, a car is probably a better chance. You
1: can, bring, <laughs> you can bring some of the buffet from the strip club. That man is the my now my favorite instagram follow yeah he's just fantastic he's had a he's had a hell of a time <laughs> in, any any in <laughs> it's been wonderful yes because it's important this guy
2: just important to to note you know an, an important message that cob uh, that o'connor always gets across you know we he's he's sex worker positive like he's, he's a promoting he does not shake not a kink shamer he no. is he you know and you know some women want sex and and okan is making that quite happy to provide it. and he's happy to provide a service and i think that's really important the man might have lost his belts but you know <laughs> put plenty of notches in one day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i think we all know that okan found his way to the forbidden door well before
1: <laughs> <two>. <laughs> more than one probably yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh. I can I Japan. I Japan. I